Hey everybody, no calls this week. We did get a couple of email questions, so we're just going to dive right into that. The first one's from Jamie, who would like to know what horror movie we would have liked to have seen become a franchise. Uh, her thought, first thought was Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which is a mostly hilarious and sometimes scary slasher mockumentary. Um, this is a really good question, and I am going to buy myself time because I can only think of one. <laughs> So, Megan and Zeno, uh, what are your choices? What would you love to see a franchise? I've actually written about this. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, loaded question then. Yeah, I wrote, yeah. Uh, it was probably a while ago for Bloody Disgusting, but it it did start out with Behind the Mask. So, we're on <laughs> the same wavelength there. Um, but the other ones that I included, Grindhouse, I think that that would have made an excellent uh, Yeah. Oh, okay. So Grindhouse, like as a double feature, just yeah. if you were to do a continuation mm-hmm. yeah. of different directors coming in and doing Grindhouse. Oh man, that would have been amazing. It's I like, the and they movies. and they could have easily easily started with the trailers. You you know, make two of the. I mean, technically Machete, which they kind of did. With yeah, the they kind of yeah. did. But I mean, like they could have kept that Grindhouse thing going, and then the trailers well, that were in that one could have been the next set of Grindhouse movies. Well, so. and they also did Hobo with a Shotgun. Yeah. So, I mean, they technically did, but they weren't really affiliated with. Yeah. Well, when the, the Weinstein company is involved, it's going to get a little complicated. Yeah. So that was another one. Uh, Dead Silence. I even, now oh. that it's on streaming, mm. I even tweeted <laughs> about this. I wish everyone could have just seen Zena's <laughs> eyes roll back in her <laughs> Because it's true. It's it so is true. true. There is a whole collection of dolls in there, and we only got like one or two stories related to those dolls. That could have been a whole anthology or franchise, everyone tied to a different doll in that collection. Those dolls have stories to tell, and we may never, ever learn what those stories are. And that's They've made like... Nine Puppet Master movies. They can make another Dead Silence. Yeah, except I keep picking movies that did not financially do well enough for a franchise to give me a franchise. That's one of them. Uh, Trick or Treat, I think, Mm could have made Mm. a fantastic ongoing continuation. Uh, Deep Rising Mm -hmm. was another one that I really... Sorry, wait, wait. What? Did you just say Deep Rising? Yeah. What? You wanted to see more Deep Rising? Oh, you wanted to see what happened on the island? Yeah, that's like a, it doesn't even have to be that creature. Although that creature, I could do more of that creature, especially now that, you know, technology has improved vastly. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I want more of that. You know, what happened when it was going to be the island? I did read somewhere that it was kind of supposed to roll into Skull Island. Like that was going to be. Oh, man, that could have been magic. And you do love your aquatic horror. Even if they went back to the sea. Yeah, of course. Give me, give me more aquatic horror. Um, 2013's, tw- 2013, that, that sounds so weird when I say that. Uh, but Evil Dead, the Evil Dead remake. They're doing more Evil Deads, yep. but it's not a direct continuation of Fede Alvarez's, and I want more Mia. Uh, so yeah, and Bubba that Hotep. an interesting one. Bubba Hotep was teased to be an ongoing, you know, you watch through the credits and it was supposed to be uh, Bubba Nosferatu, Curse of the She-Vampires. And I don't ever, (laughs) I never saw through the credits before. (laughs) Yeah. So they teased that and then it was like teased that it was going to happen with Paul Giamatti taking over and yeah, it just never happened. Wow. That would have been amazing. I know. So there's a whole lot of stuff that I would have liked to see, and we never got them. 
So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay, well, Megan did mention some of the ones that I had in mind, um, like Trick or Treat. and Dead Yeah. Silence. Yeah. Okay, so first one, Idle Hands. I feel like that's a whole <laughs> world waiting. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which is so surprising. And then also, um, They Live. They Live should have been yeah. like, there should have been like a whole mm-hmm. franchise for that one. Um, it follows because, Megan, you were just talking about that one last I week. Know. And I'm just a nosy girl, so I need to know. <laughs> also john's favorite tucker and dale versus evil like yeah so there's right? a whole lot of evil that they haven't gotten to it's, figure out there's so, so many much. college kids out there just waiting to kill themselves just off themselves <laughs> all over the property yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and um okay so this was maybe maybe i'm just like greedy because i really love the movie starry eyes but i would love mm. to see like a sequel, but maybe it could be like a different mm. person in a different industry. Could be fun. All tied oh, to that. I've never cult. seen Starry Eyes, but I watched the trailer today, and I'm like, oh nope, not in the right headspace to watch that today. Oh, <laughs> I love that one. It's, it's good. It's magical. Well, it's very body horror-y looking, and I'm not. Yeah, I got to be in a good headspace. Yeah, sort of does yeah. do that. Yeah. And I know I heard like a lot of people saying like they would like something with um with Nightbreed. And I agree, but I think that that one, mm-hmm. I could see that one more as a series. TV we are series. getting a series well, isn't, of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yep. Whoa. <laughs> so that's, that's happening. Answered. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's Dreams all. do come true. They do. Your turn, John. So I'm going to piggyback on Xena mentioning they live and say the thing. I mm. think the thing could have totally been, a, had a follow-up. I think so, too. Um, even... Even if it wasn't directly, like, what happened to, like, McCready, like, after the fact or whatever. Like, it could totally be, you know, some team goes to figure out what the hell happened. And then they get there and then they got to deal with it. Like, it could very easily become multiple movies. I think that I never played it. But I think that the Thing Xbox game, probably a decade ago at this point, maybe a little longer, did do that. It did, was kind of an unofficial sequel that did. Nice. Yeah. But I again, I mean, I didn't they, play they could it, have so. done so many different routes with it. They could have totally done an aliens route. They send in the military, and it turns into more like an action horror sort of thing as they're hunting it down. All yeah. kinds of options. Um, then the only one that I could think of off the top of my head when I was thinking about the question was actually Oculus. Ooh. I feel like, and I t- kind of had Mike Mike Flanagan on the brain, which I'll get into later. Um, but. You know, I mean, it's the mirror. Like, it totally lends itself to a new family. It show it can show up anywhere. And, like, mm-hmm. just that blend of, like, hallucination and, like, what's actually going on and, like, the actual curse. Because, I mean, really, like, kind of like Zine said, like, any cursed object can yeah. be a series. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it can be, obviously, it can be a prequel talking about where it came from in the first place. Like, it's got a timeline that you can play with. It's like Amityville Horror, which they didn't quite pull it off, but the idea behind mm. it is good. It's like right. the first viewer in the house, but then eventually it just started following certain objects that came from the house. And that's a fantastic idea in theory, but execution is a whole other story. Well, and it's like uh, like any of the Conjuring movies. Like yeah. you're kind of expanding it on like different ghosts and like possessed and Annabelle and things like that. Like, yeah, it's a big world out there. I found it, it was a lot harder question than I thought because I realized I started thinking about movies. I'm like, nope, that's already a sequel. Nope, that's going to be a sequel. 
Nope, that's got like six of them. <laughs> yeah. Or it lends itself to sequelization so much now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, great question. That was fun. I'm, and I'll probably come up with a few more when I'm listening to this later or something. Ah, darn it. Wasted <laughs> we, we got a good starter kit going. Yeah. So this one I was so happy about because Ariel from Wisconsin <laughs> was thinking of me and how oh. no one asked phone footage questions. <laughs> Make this uh-huh. about me. Poor John. Uh, so her question being, what are the scary, what are our scariest found footage recommendations? Bonus points if they really commit to the format. So me knowing that I have a very large list to, to dig into, I will again let Megan and Zena go first. Zena, how about you go first? Okay. Um, well, I only have two because I know that this is this is your playground. This is your time to shine. <laughs> so the first one, Ratter from 2015. I thought that that was kind of creepy because, you know, we, we have a lot of different technology type of things around our house, around us that has cameras and you never know. You know, I mean, I just don't think that the whoever would be watching me, like they would find anything interesting. That's Probably a lie. A yelling. <laughs> what? I'll be yelling. <laughs> I don't know. You'd be was, dancing. You that do, too. Yeah, you'd be entertaining. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Megan. Um <laughs> Then the other one, it's one of my favorite found footage movies, and um, it's Evidence from 2013. So there's one mm. from 2012, but what mm. what makes that one, like, creepy for me, the one from 2013, the one I'm talking about, um, well, I, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> Should I spoil it? Oh no, don't spoil it. Okay, spoil I won't it. spoil it, but it's it's just pretty creepy, and I, I didn't see it happening. Coming. Okay, Megan, your mm-hmm. turn. Uh, I will always and forever scream from from the rooftops, Wreck and Wreck 2. Yeah. None have really come close to scaring me as much as those do. Um, and then like Mungo, which doesn't really commit, that's more mockumentary style, but that one is a doozy. Grave Encounters is a favorite, and Ghost Watch, which also is not really committing to the format, so I'm breaking rules. But I know John will totally pick up this lack here. So yes. those those are kind of my creepy faves. Well, I'll do one more that doesn't necessarily stick with the format. And for me, that's the taking a Deborah Logan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because while it's phone footage, it's fully edited. Uh, like to the fact that they add music and they add cutscenes and everything else. So the idea that this is phone footage, it doesn't technically work out like that. Like, well, where did this come from? Like, it doesn't fully take hold. That said, the actress who plays Deborah Logan is amazing. She is worth the watch by herself. Like her, I feel like it's phone footage just so you can capture her staring at the camera because she's got just such a great glare. She's so good in it. Uh, and then the other one, what was the other one that doesn't, I suppose, I mean, they all, they all kind of vary as far as like how much they actually stick to the phone footage uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. But I also oh, like Cannibal Holocaust. Kind of yeah. found footage. Not really. Yeah. It's like a pre- and, precursor, pro- proto found footage. Yeah, and it leans way more on disturbing to me yeah, than does. more scary. But yeah. that can also be very scary. Like if you see someone impaled on a stake, that's not exactly mm-hmm. something that you're, you're going to necessarily want to think about over and over again. I mean, I remember the first time I saw that image was actually in a documentary um, about snuff films, of all things. Um, and like just being an example of people like how the, that line that horror, tre- or that horror treads, mm-hmm. um, 
and I saw that image for the first time and I was like, that was a movie. And then I watched it. I was like, oh my God. Like it's, it's very startling. Um, but like Blair Witch Project, I'll always go back to, um, some people are going to watch with their arms crossing. It's not scary. I still think it's great. I love the tension in it. Um, as above, so below. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of like, especially the underground catacombs, the depictions of death sticks with phone footage perfectly well because it's on cameras. Now some of the cameras suddenly disappear. Uh, can't get into <laughs> there. There's issues with that. I mean, paranormal activity is always a classic, you know, mm -hmm. it's very stark. Like it, it, it treads more on the senses of dread and anticipation. Hell House LLC I always enjoy, especially if you don't like clowns. Houses October built is a really good one. Like as far as like, I don't like, like I don't like haunted houses very much. I don't like that idea of this person has been waiting all year to scare strangers and like <laughs> really get in their face. <laughs> like, like especially like knowing people who work in like blackout rooms, like the really intense level, like that's too much for me. Um, Creep is really good. Uh, Creep was kind of a sleeper for a lot of people. Excellent phone footage. The Poughkeepsie tapes is really disturbing. That's more documentary style, but that's a rough watch just because of the torture and abuse angle of it. Um, Marble Hornets on YouTube, if you like Slender Man. Oh, I never that heard of that one. Yeah, it, it was like the original Slender Man um, media, I suppose. Marble Hornets, it's like, I want to say it's like 60 parts. And they're all like three or four minute videos, um, but they're out of order. Like they're basically a found group of tapes that someone's going through. Um, really well done. It's a perfect example of a people understanding a medium that they're working in. Um, like The Last Exorcism, Grave Encounters, The Sacrament Host. Uh, the one that I figured was most out of left field that most people probably haven't heard of is S or Sandman. And Sandman is spelled S, ampersand, M-A-N, Sandman. So it looks like S&M Man, but it's Sandman. Mm. And it kind of delves into this concept of the really fringe element in the horror community who want, like, that line of snuff. Like, they want it to be as close to watching a snuff film as they can possibly see and, and beyond. They want the gore. They basically want just trash horror. Like, any complaints anyone has ever said about Saw that's like the low end of the, the that's like the bottom rung of the ladder for them. They want worse. But it kind of does this crossover switch about like this guy who's trying to push his own like movies as he refers to them, but they're way too real sort of thing. It's very disturbing watch along the lines of like kind of like the Poughkeepsie tapes. Um, I just happened upon it years ago and I kind of want to go back and watch it now to see like, was is that as disturbing? Is I remember it being, because I remember it being pretty messed up, but it was really out of left field for me. So, yeah, there's like 15 <laughs> recommendations. A lot yeah. of them can still be found on like Netflix, Amazon, stuff like that. Marble Hornets, all the Marble Hornets movies can be found on YouTube. Don't watch Still Watching, which is a Marble Hornets movie about, about Slender Man. Doesn't hold up the same, hmm. but it is also phone footage. <sighs> <laughs> Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as the lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. You know her from her YouTube channel and website Real Queen of Horror and for her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hey. 
If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that make you smile too. Zeno, what's been filling your heart this week? Bloody hell. I just wanted to say that. (laughs) I've been screaming that all weekend. Um... Yeah, I wanted to check it out. I've been hearing like great things about it. And you say that a fu- that cameras in your house wouldn't capture anything I know. fun. Come on. I know. I mean, I don't really think that that would be entertaining. Some some woman who's running around screaming, talking to her cat. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Just... I would be entertained personally. I, I'd watch that. People watch cameras of like baby <laughs> eagles in a nest. I would watch that. <laughs> Zena screaming about horror movies in her house. Yeah. Yelling about the neighbors. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> oh, by the way, I saw a cat climbing a tree, climbing a palm tree. <laughs> like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that you would... <laughs> it was crazy. No, I'm going to text you guys it because I know you don't believe me. It's the truth. It's insane. All right. No, but seriously, though, I checked out the movie Bloody Hell. It's available VOD. It came out 2020. And we kind of, um, we spoke about this last week. So held captive, captive in a mysterious basement, a man on the run must find a way to escape from a violent and demented family. So I feel like the title is very fitting uh, for, for this movie. It's dark. It's funny. Um, it's full of just pure mayhem, mayhem. And I feel that it's like, you know, I love when a horror movie or, you know, like the horror comedies or comedy horrors, they're able to blend together perfectly and there are plenty of moments where I found that I literally laughed out loud, but then I'll start cringing because it, it's pretty gory. You know, there's, there's some bloody stuff that, that happens. Uh, the lead actor, Ben O'Toole, he plays Rex. Um, he really shines in, in the role. And even though his character, he does some stuff that's a little bit like off, you know, um, you like him. You know, you like him and you're rooting for him. And just again, like, I just feel like it's not a movie that takes itself seriously. So if you are looking for like a lighthearted type of horror movie with some gory moments, you may enjoy this one. And plus, the soundtrack is pretty funny. Like, some of the music or some of the songs that they choose is just kind of like, that doesn't fit, but it's funny, you know? (laughs) Good deal. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the first one. And then uh, the second one, this was a rewatch for me. It's Kronos. On HBO Max from 1993, a mysterious device designed to provide its owner with eternal life (laughs) resurfaces after 400 years, leaving a trail of destruction in its path. I don't know what that was. But um, this is one of my favorite uh, Del Toro movies. I feel like he's just... It, it is. And I just feel like he's just great. Like this was, this is like his first feature. Like, how are you that magical, that awesome? Like, whoa. And, you know, just like his other movies, it feels like a dark fairy tale and like the monsters, they look gross and nasty, but they're still beautiful. Like you just can't yeah. keep your, yeah, it's just, it's just a great movie. It's one of my favorite movie of his and one of my favorite vampire movies. I did watch this one when I was five. So Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, so that's that's what I watched. <laughs> I can see. I mean, it's not terribly horrific. It is more fairy tale than anything. 
but I do love vampire movies that give unique spins on vampire right? lore. And this yeah. does. So, really yeah. great movie. What about you, Megan? <laughs> First, I'm going to mention <laughs> what Zena and I did on Friday. <laughs> we were invited to play Among Us uh, as part of uh, Terry Maynard from Gaily Dreadful and Scarred for Life podcast. It was his birthday celebration, so it was a live stream of Among Us with Zena and I for Bloody Disgusting podcast and a few other podcasts. Um, and I just have to say, like, th- this is a very popular game this summer or, or really this summer. What what year are we? What day is it? Um, mm-hmm. it since the pandemic, basically, it's become super popular because it's mm-hmm. essentially like a simplified version of the thing where you're in like a space station and it's between four to ten players. I think there was nine of us playing and... Yeah. Many of you are crewmates. Two of you, based on the number of players there are, are imposters. And they're working to sabotage and kill while the other crewmates are working to fix the ship and and eject the imposters. And I just want to say that this was a very enlightening experience playing with Xena. Because I have (laughs) determined that Xena is Blair from The Thing. If, if, If she is a crewmate... If she's not, she's a very, very vicious imposter who will kill you. So either way, yeah, I, I learned a lot about uh, my horror sister. But we had or, so much fun. It was <laughs> such a blast. She is a chaos agent, a complete agent of chaos, people. I would not be anywhere near her whatsoever and she would still manage to throw me under the bus and during our report meetings like megan did it she's suspicious <laughs> what i thought was really fun about it is that sometimes you just have to be on your toes you just have to make stuff up like and you, know, you, you kept everybody on their toes oh my goodness it was a blast i my favorite was that somebody who was you know zeta wasn't an imposter one round and the, the, the imposter killed her right away. Yeah, and do you know how easy that made it to suss out who the actual imposter was because he took out the chaos agents? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, it could be sometimes some people, you know? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, just thinking about that. I, I'm probably more like a Clark, you know? I'm the quiet one that gets mm. suspected of, even though I'm human. But yeah, I also don't live ever, so that that's Aww. on point too. So anyway, that that's how we kicked off the weekend. And then I watched uh, Alice Sweet Alice. I watched it on Blu-ray, but I did look. It is available on Prime Video and Tubi. Uh, it was released in 1976. It's also known as Communion. Um, it's set in 1961. A divorced Catholic couple's life is turned upside down when one of their two daughters is suspected of her younger sister's brutal murder during her first communion and a series of subsequent stabbings. So I feel like when it comes to really great 70s horror, we talk about the greats and this should be in that conversation, but does not get mentioned near enough. It's it's a proto slasher. It's before Halloween. Um was it before? No, it wasn't before Black Christmas, but still, it was an early precursor to the slasher boon. It's very strange. It's almost like an American giallo in, mm-hmm. in how sleazy it can get, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the landlord in this apartment building. 
Um, but it's super great. It's Brooke Shields' first role. She was like playing a nine-year-old. She probably was a nine-year-old. Um, but yeah, it's it's more about this awful dissolution of a family, essentially, by this string of murders. And I I can't recommend it enough. Like I won't go into it more than that, but watch it if you haven't, or just revisit it because it's great. Um, and then I watched Celia on Shutter. It's one of their recent Ooh, I editions. To see that. I think it's also on Tubi. Um, it was released in 1989. It's an Australian horror movie. And it's about a, an imaginative and somewhat disturbed young girl that fantasizes about evil creatures and other oddities to mask her insecurities while growing up in rural Australia. So it's a lot like Paper House or The Reflecting Skin or Poison for the Fairies. These kind of movies that are more outskirts horror they're less overt almost like fairy tale like um they explore the dark side of innocence like these children and their imaginations lead to some dire consequences uh and it's really interesting because you know this this little girl is obsessed with this fairy tale book about the habias who these monsters that come at night and, and steal things and wreak havoc and so and it's set during a time during like the Red Scare, 1957, the tail end of the second Red Scare, where people are afraid of communism, um, which also kind of runs in this girl's family a little bit. There is also the Australian um, population controlled rabbits because rabbits are very pest or have been. I don't know what the status is now. So if you're an Australian listener, fill us in. But um uh, <laughs> It's just this merging of fantasy and actual historical reality, and it just gets crazy. And I, I thought of Xena. I mean, it's not witchcraft like Poison for the Fairies, but I did think that, that that's something that she would like. Um, it was surprising. It, it was kind of a gut punch for me by the end. Whoa. So, highly recommend. So, what about you, John? Uh, so, I started out with uh, 2007's 1408 which I borrowed the DVD copy of because I didn't want to give money to the Weinstein Company. Unfortunately, I knew someone who had the DVD of 1408. Um, I had recently read, I was reading uh, Stephen King's uh, collection of short stories, Everything Eventual, which 1408 exists in. And I mm -hmm. think I was reading something in his on writing book where it originally started as a, a writing exercise that he wrote for his book on writing. And then he just decided to dig into it a little bit more. And it had been a long time since I'd seen it. I figured I'd give it a shot. Cool. And I'm going to turn up the volume on this when I edit it. <laughs> a man who specializes in debunking paranormal occurrences checks into the fabled room 1408 in the Dolphin Hotel. Soon after settling in, he confronts genuine terror. You know, this is one. This is actually one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. Um, it, 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 it sticks very close to the source material for as much as it can, since the source material is only like 20 pages long. Yeah. Um, and the ending that I saw, if I remember right, 1408 has like four or five different endings. I, I feel like yes. I remember watching it originally mm -hmm. when DVD extras were still a big thing. And there was a bunch of different endings. And this one... Well, it doesn't matter because there's so many endings. I can spoil the ending. This version of the ending, uh, John Cusack's character dies, um, which doesn't adhere to the book. But it's it's just a good, like, I mean, it's more or less in one room. 
I mean, it goes outside the room. Like there's the room itself is more complicated and, and, and like messing around with the ideas of hallucinations and, but like at its very core, like I, I just also really like the story that, like I said in the description, it's a specializes in debunking paranormal occurrences, but that's not what it's about. Right. It's a father whose heart is broken. He's not trying to debunk it. He's trying to find proof. Like yeah. he wants to think that his daughter is still somewhere, that she's existing and she's happy and she's fine and everything else. It just, his quest for it all just leads him to a really bad place that actually exists. Mm-hmm. And I also like that idea too, because, you know, with all the ghost hunter shows and stuff that exists on TV, it's just kind of fun to play with that concept of, oh no, this ghost hunter went to the wrong place. So I, it's a fun watch. However, you can watch it. Frankly, I don't know where the money goes to when you rent these anymore. Um, but it's really fun. Like I like Samuel Jackson for as small as he's actually in the movie. Does really good as as the hotel uh, manager. Cusack is really good in it. You know, he has that great level of snark and fear and contempt and everything else. Like I thought, I that was a really good job. Question, wait, um, okay. No, um, do you feel like this, uh, like the scares still hold up? It's been a while since I rewatched it. Um, yes, because it plays so much with the ideas of hallucination. Like it's, I, 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 even watching it this time, I remember thinking like, wait a second, was that what it was like the first time he looked through the room? Like, what was he missing? And like almost little clues where like you're realizing it as he is. And there's a few jump scares that are kind of so-so. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it held up pretty well, though, even on second viewing. I don't remember being super terrified of it the first time, but I thought it was just really effective for what it was okay. trying to do. All right, cool stuff. Um, and then totally random, not entirely. I can't entirely remember how I came across it or where I read about it, but 2011's Absentia. Uh, which was uh, Mike Flanagan's, not his directorial debut, but it was the movie he made before Oculus that was 100% crowdfunded. He made it for like $70,000 and has an appearance of, but from Doug Jones in it, of all yep. people in a $70,000 movie. A woman and her sister begin to link a mysterious tunnel to a series of disappearances, including that of her own husband. You can totally see the roots of um, like uh, House on Haunted or Haunting of Hill House in absentia like the way like the ghosts are portrayed or the hallucinations are portrayed like the dark eyes and, and some of the movements and scares but man if, if new filmmakers want to know how to make a movie on a low budget mm-hmm. watch absentia it is so effective for what it is like the scares are really good like you can tell from um like you can tell from like the film quality and some of the acting isn't he was doing the best he could with a, a low budget, but it worked really well. Like, I love the ideas of it, the themes of it, this, the really subtle scares, the things you, you're not entirely sure if you see in the first place anyway that plays with the hallucinations, like the, the added level of the, the, the sister who thinks she's seeing all this is a, a drug addict, a recovering drug addict, so did she hallucinate? And then at the same time, the movie plays with that. And shows you the potential alternative that people are even saying out loud. Like, maybe she's fine. Well, maybe this happened. And it shows you that. And it kind of makes you double take and think like, well, what what really is happening? And I, I mean, I don't know if either of you have seen it. I 
I was really impressed for, especially for a seventy thousand dollar movie. I have seen it. It's been a while. I remember liking it, and I do remember um, it's got Katie Parker in it, and I don't feel like yeah. she gets a lot of credit either. She's a bit of a chameleon, especially in. Uh, Mike Flanagan stuff. She's in all mm-hmm. of it. She's been in both seasons of The Haunting. She was in uh, Doctor Sleep, and people don't really recognize her because she is so good at submersing herself in a role. Wait, was she um, Rose the Hat? No, the, no, she was not Rose the Hat, but she was part of Rose the Hat's uh, troupe. Okay, all right, yeah, no, yeah, she was really good in it too. Like, the, I mean, honestly, the weakest acting performance I thought were the cops. Other than that, I thought it was actually really good <laughs> acting performances. Yeah. Have you seen it, Zena? Oh, okay. Well, yes, I have. <laughs> but you know, I, I I like it. Like it's um, I always felt like it was so that it's very unsettling, you know, because yeah. it's just I yep. couldn't imagine, you know, going through something like that. And like you said, you can kind of see his style even back then. So good stuff. Yeah, no, it's totally worth it, and it's on Amazon. It's totally check it out. It's absolutely worth it. It's only like ninety minutes, but yeah for sure and then i am reading the fisherman by john i love that Um, one (laughs) i uh, you know i had only i finally just heard of it for the first time this weekend um so i immediately i bought it on amazon and it just arrived yesterday i started reading it i so in grad school literary fiction and literary nonfiction were largely shoved down my throat um and genre fiction was pretty much ignored like it wasn't like that sounds about right yeah yeah, and so of course I've settled into genre fiction with my degree. Um, but he oh my god, is he a beautiful writer? Like yeah. it is like it's like if you've read Presumed Innocent, like the beautiful, like just lit like what the the literary fiction that you can do in like a mystery, like the imagery and just the flow of words and the stories and the emotion that he put in the first ten pages talking about his ex wife and getting into fishing is like, oh my god. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's like I want to keep reading it and I don't because I can't write that good. <laughs> like, it's frustrating. But there's, it's also amazing. It's it's awesome to be able to see people who can do that. There's room at the table for all sorts of writers and stories, so Yeah. So if if anyone out there is looking for more of like a literary fiction, like a little bit more like flowery prose and things like that, like but in a horror context. It's like a folk tale, this really gorgeously told folk tale. Totally. But horror. I mean it almost start it it almost starts out like a Moby Dick. You know, like but it also like just allegorically like just yeah, it's totally worth it. Like I bought the soft cover on Amazon, it was like overnight, it's like twelve bucks, totally worth it. I'm very excited for you to finish. Well, wait. Yeah, wait. I hear great things about the ending. I'm excited. Well, what 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 is it about? Tell tell me. Tell us. Uh, well, from what I can tell so far, I'm only like 20 pages in. So largely, it's about a man who's lo- loses his wife. They don't. She'd only mm-hmm. been. They'd only been married for two years by the time she died. They'd only been married for like two weeks when she found a lump and it was cancer oh. that had spread. And he kind of stumbles, in, he kind of randomly finds fishing as a thing to do to keep himself occupied as he starts drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of finds himself more and more drawn to it. And then from what I can tell, like he kind of finds Der Fisher, like the fisherman, like this kind of legend. And he like, it sounds kind of like, uh, like he's going to try and get back what he's lost sort of mm. thing. Um 
But I'm curious. I'm like I said, I'm 20 pages into it. I should have just read the back cover for everybody. Um, but yeah, but John Langan, the fisherman. Um, I'll 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 do a better book report next week. I promise, no, and that'll no, force no. me to finish it this week because <laughs> otherwise I'm going to get distracted with stuff. Okay, before we move on, what did we watch? How did we watch it? So I watch Bloody Hell on VOD and Chronos <laughs> on HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it brings her so much joy to say bloody yeah. hell. Uh, Alice Sweet Alice, I watched on Blu-ray, but it's available on Prime Video and Tubi. And I watched Celia on Shudder, which I believe is also available on Tubi. And I watched 1408 on DVD and Absentia on Amazon. And I'm reading The Fisherman by John Langan, L-A-N-G-A-N. All right, enough about what we've been watching and reading this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Willie's Wonderland got a trailer drop, <laughs> which introduced Nicolas Cage versus evil animatronics. So I love this trailer. Yeah. Formerly titled Wally's Wonderland, it's now Willie's <laughs> Wonderland. Uh, Nicolas Cage will be battling animatronic terrors in the upcoming horror film, releasing February... 12th worldwide so in this five nights and freddy's five nights at freddy's type horror movie the janitor which is cage finds himself stranded in a remote town unable to pay the repair shop to fix his jeep he agrees to work off his debt by spending the night cleaning willie's wonderland an abandoned theme park full of animatronic characters that were once a beacon of fun for children to play with uh, but Willie's Wonderland carries a dark secret that the janitor is about to discover. He's been lured into a deadly trap, or rather a living nightmare, as the Wonderland's animatronic characters come to life to destroy him. The janitor is forced to fight his way from one monster to another, trying to survive until morning. And the janitor doesn't play nice. So the trailer, which is available to check out at Bloody Disgusting if you have not seen it, which... Maybe you Go should or, or should not, yes, depending on your it. trailer watching preferences. But it suggests less of like a jump scare movie, you know, because Five Nights mm -hmm. and Freddy's kind of triggered all this. All jump scares. Yeah, yeah it was, it's all jump scares. And so you kind of expect that a lot of this will be uh, jump scare heavy. But no, it looks like a freaking action or possibly comedic because... As one of the characters in the movie remarks that perhaps these animatronics are trapped with Cage rather than the reverse. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks very much like he, like he's going full-blown Mandy or full-blown Cage, depending <laughs> on how you want to look at it. So, obviously, you both watch this trailer. Yes. Yeah, his <laughs> performance looks perfect. It does. He just, I just love the roles that he's been taking these last couple <laughs> that... of years. He is he has totally embraced who he is and that's awesome. Yeah. I like when directors let him too. Mm -hmm. Like I think that there has yeah, to I be I think it's got to be very specific. <laughs> yeah, there has to be with Cage, I think there has to be a very specific working relationship because sometimes it could go wrong if if they don't know how to harness that power. <laughs> exactly no just the scene where like they're trying to like the, whoever shows up there to burn the place down or whatever they're trying to like tell him how dangerous the place is and he's just ignoring them yeah he's he doesn't cleaning. care he doesn't care he's yeah. like I'm, doesn't say a word just keeps cleaning they're like are you are you concerned about any of this and it's just like ignoring them yeah. it's so awesome so it does look fun i am not yeah. sure why they did a 
quick letter change to go from Wally to Willie? Is Willie more comedic than Wally? Is that the thinking? I don't know. I guess it's really minor in the grand scheme of things. There's probably some trademark out there. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I'm with Xena. I like Wally better than Willie, but whatever. If the movie's fun, it ultimately doesn't matter too much. Um, And then marketing campaign for the new R-rated Mortal Kombat. It's heating up. Plot details are emerging as we're getting closer to the release date, which will be April 16th, both on the big screen and on HBO Max per their deal for 2021. We'll see if that extends beyond that. But um, being that it's only like a few months away, the marketing campaign is underway with Entertainment Weekly got the first look at at the movie. So um, you can go to bloody disgusting which will link you to ew or go to ew if you're curious for more images and and plot details but a little idea of what to expect it's supposed to begin with a crucial piece of lore from the original games uh with a blood feud between clans of hanzo played by hiroyuki sanada and by hand which is played by joe taslim um which really is just scorpion and sub-zero so it's a 10 minute opening sequence in feudal japan and setting up a long, enduring feud between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, but the odd thing that they kind of unveiled about this is that the hero of this is going to be somebody named Cole Young, a washed-up MMA fighter. That character did not exist in the games. So I yeah, think that's, that's kind of... <laughs> yeah, I think that's been a, an initial sticking point for fans of the, of the game series. But director Simon McQuad promises... We had a lot of discussions about getting the balance right so that there was gore and there was blood and there were fa- and there were fatalities. And there is gore, blood, and fatalities. There's some crazy fatalities. So um, that's exciting because we're horror fans and I want some fatalities. Uh, I was a big fan. Did you guys play the games at all growing up? Yes, I did. Or even the Just original the movie? Two. Yeah, so... Yeah, I was a Super Nintendo kid, so, like, I had some friends who were Genesis kids, and they'd be like, oh, we have blood in ours. I'm like, oh, I have sweat. So I have sweat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was a Sega gal, so I'm very excited about fatalities. Um, But, yeah, this was part of a preview. HBO Max previewed early snippets of their 2021 slate. So not only does that include Mortal Kombat, but it also includes stuff like The Conjuring and Malignant, um, and Godzilla versus Kong, which you should expect to see more of that soon because that release date got bumped up ahead to March 22nd. So, hey. yeah. In the same vein of clearly they're readjusting how to roll out their release late, Netflix announced a massive slate of originals, including Alexandra Aha's latest. So they're going to be releasing a ton of original content in 2021. So much so that they're saying it's going to average about one per week. Nice. Holy crap. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, And so how and when that unfolds is yet to be revealed, but they did do an early preview, which, again, if you want to see their little video or whatever, that's on Bloody Disgusting as well. But um, one of the things that was included in their little preview reel was Alexandra Aha's O2, a sci-fi thriller that sees a young woman who wakes up in a medical cryo unit. She doesn't remember who she is or how she ended up sequestered in a box no longer than a coffin, and she's running out of oxygen. So she's got to rebuild her memory to find a way out of the box. 
So it sounds claustrophobic and intense. And it's Alexander Aha. So of course it's going to be intense because he does not know how to not do suspense. <laughs> uh, Christy LeBlanc wrote the script and it stars Melanie Laurent, who uh, is most memorably known for Inglorious Bastards. So that sounds exciting, but some of the other genre-specific Netflix highlights include uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which is expected sometime this summer, uh, Patrick Bryce, who did Creep, uh, There's Someone Inside Your House, which is a young adult slasher novel adaptation, um, so I'm excited for that one. Uh, Lee Janiak's Fear Street trilogy, based on R.L. Stein's books, there's going to be three of them, and they're supposed to be set in different timelines entirely. So that's just a highlight. I mean, they have an insane amount of uh, genre movies coming out. So if you are curious about what else, then definitely check out what Bloody Disgusting. You go go there. Go there. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Alexandra Aha or any Netflix movies you might be anticipating. Well, I'm excited about... Um... Oh, two. I think that it, it seems like it's going to be cool. But yeah, I'm really excited about that Fr Fair Street trilogy. Oh my gosh, I'm ready for that. And uh, there's someone inside your house. That just sounds like it's for me. Do you have any thoughts, John? I The only things I've been watching on Netflix lately are Queer Eye and Schitt's Creek. So I'm going <laughs> to. Normally I don't go there for horror. So I, I lean pretty heavily on you two to tell me. Because half the time I go there in the horror section and I'm like, uh, what? Although I am going to eventually go back and watch um, Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor. It's just And Marianne, go, go do that too. Uh, so much. There's so much content I got to get through. There is so much content, period. I, I genuinely believe that it's like even as crappy as the world might be outside in our horror bubbles, mm -hmm. it's a pretty fantastic time to be a fan because we get so much good content that we can't even keep up. Um, but you can guarantee that Zena and I will definitely keep you up to date. Uh, especially, I mean, half of this stuff that, that they're, they've announced doesn't have any kind of release date. It's just, this mm -hmm. is what's coming out sometime this year. So you can expect to hear more of that in the future. So yeah, that's, that's what I got this week. All right, listeners, your turn. Excited for Nick Cage to go full Nick Cage? Can't wait for some big screen fatalities? Let's hear about it. The number is 224-475-1040. The number is in the show notes, too. Normally, this is where I ask you to please limit yourself to one question or comment per call and feel free to leave a message. But keep an eye out on our Instagram and Twitter accounts this week at BeDisgustingPod for some posts that will give you the opportunity to ask questions that don't involve you having to call in. So finally, if you're anything like us, you spend more than a little time streaming movies on Shutter. I guess they watch them on Netflix, Amazon, and all the other <laughs> services out there. So to keep your indecisiveness at a minimum, Zena is going to clue us in on what we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? So coming our way Tuesday the 19th, The Cleansing Hour will be available on DVD. So this one is where two entrepreneurs, they stage elaborate fake exorcisms until one of their girlfriends becomes possessed by a demon. This one's a lot of fun. So I highly recommend it. Then on Thursday, the 21st, The Walking Dead World Beyond will be available on Shudder. Um, I haven't been keeping up with the series. I kind of stopped after the third season, maybe third or fourth season. I'm curious about this one, so I'm not too sure if any of you guys are fans of the show. I, like you, fell out a long time ago. I know it's got I watched two episodes. Two, well, okay. I made it farther than John, but yeah, I fell <laughs> okay. out a long time ago. Yeah. 
All right. Well, um, okay. Well, this little... <laughs> so we're slackers in so the Walking Dead department. So listeners, we're excited. Yay! Yeah, we're, we're excited. We're excited. But no, if, if you guys want to check it out, listeners, feel free to. So this series will follow the first generation to come after the apocalypse. And then on Friday, the 22nd, PG Psycho Gorman will be available on VOD. Um, so this one follows, <laughs> and this one, it follows siblings Mimi and Luke, and they somehow resurrect an ancient demon overlord um, who used to be on Earth millions of years ago, and he failed to take over the universe, but now he is back to try to destroy the universe again. I'm really looking forward That's to this so one. Awesome. <laughs> right? That's Doesn't it so sound crazy. magical? <laughs> it is magical. It is, it is fun. I've seen this one. Yeah. And it is... It's like the Giver or a super R-rated grown-up uh, oh Power Rangers. Oh my god, deep cuts with the Giver. Holy crap. <laughs> I feel like Zeta and I are pretty good on the deep cuts. You are, but I think, oh, you know what is? I'm excited <laughs> that I recognize your deep cuts. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I'm very proud of you. Yay. But yeah. Uh, okay. And then... Of course, there is a bloody disgusting TV available. If you're just like Xena, I don't, I don't know what to do. Okay, you, all you have to do, is just, you know, on your Roku, bloody disgusting TV. It is available for you, for everybody. And, and I just, it's that simple. I just want to second that that you should be listening to Xena because as we are recording this, popcorn is playing on bloody disgusting TV right now. Okay, oh, son gotta, of a bitch! All right, we gotta, we gotta go. go. We gotta... <laughs> This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out our reviews at BloodDisgusting.com or our Twitter at Haunted Magazine. It can be found on our website, RealQueenOfFour.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly Horror Narration Podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BDisgustingPod, or drop us an email at BDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. For this, so for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. I gotta watch popcorn. <laughs>